All right, so we are doing John 15, 5 to 8, 4 to 8, and we are talking about abiding in Christ and what that looks like and what that means for us. There's a lot of imagery that is captured in this, this verse. And so when they talk about, Jesus says, when I am the true vine, this is loaded for meaning in the time that the people who are hearing it. Um, throughout the Old Testament, the imagery of the vine is always used towards God's people, towards Israel. So Israel was the vine in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if you came across this imagery of someone or something being the vine, that was always Israel or the people of God. And yet every time it's used in the Old Testament, every time it's talking about the vine, it's used negatively. Israel, they even had a song that they would sing about being the vine. And it's found in Isaiah 5, 1 to 2. And it goes, it's going to be up here on our little mini screen. And it says this. They would sing, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Kind of like it had like this, oh, this is exciting, and then it yielded only bad fruit. So this is what they would sing. Because in the Old Testament, Israel was the vine. This declaration that they could not bear fruit, and therefore they felt the wrath of God was coming. And so when you heard vine terminology in the first century, if you were a Jew, it almost had this pronouncement of judgment. Yet Jesus is turning this I am the vine on its head. He's changing the meaning. He's going to bring hope to it. Jesus comes and he says, I am the true vine. In short, he's saying, I'm doing what you could not do. And I'm being what you have not been able to be. The I am statements. He's saying, I'm fulfilling these. It's no longer you and I. We can like, I can do this. I can fulfill it. We cannot. Jesus is coming to say, I am going to fulfill these things. This is the gospel declaration. I am the vine. He's entering into this banner of failure that Israel is experiencing. He's saying, I've got this. I've got this now. He says, I'm the true vine. You have not been able to be fruitful in a way that pleases God, but I've got you because I am the true vine. He is rescuing this imagery now. He's rescuing this imagery of the vine. And he's saying, like, no matter how hard you've worked, no matter how hard you've tried, it's like you've always fell short. But he's stepping in, and we feel that because we're prone today to feel the same way in this first, in our, like, in our lives. And it's hard for us to believe this, that, you know, it's hard for them to believe it too, that Jesus is here, and what he's saying is true. I will fulfill this. I've got you. I'm the vine. The type of fruitfulness that pleases the Lord, that you've been able to walk in, I will make it possible for you now. And this is incredibly shocking and very intentional. Jesus is saying that, I'm the vine that will produce fruit. But it doesn't not say, like, you don't have anything to do. We still get a part in this. And this is the beautiful thing about coming with Jesus, is that we get to be a part of what's happening. We get to be a part of what he's doing. We now become the branches, and we simply need to stay connected to the vine. Now let's look at this practically. I've got a branch here. This is a branch. My kids, they're from their grandparents. They got knives. It doesn't make my grandparents, or their grandparents sound very safe. But they got knives for their birthdays, and they have been nicely cutting down branches without us knowing. And so <laughs> I've walked into our yard to many of these laying around and being like, give me your knives. And so do you think if we all got together, we all connected to this, we can make this branch bear fruit? Kids, do you think you can make this happen? 
if you came up here. I, I would normally ask you to come up, but COVID. And so uh, that's not happening. But you think if we like, make this bear fruit, like what if uh, like, we just really think I can make an apple appear out of this? Really just like shake and grunt and make it appear. Usually when we're grunting and things are appear, we're in the bathroom, but <laughs> just a bathroom joke, sorry. It was just, it was right there. And so, but this is how ridiculous sometimes we are too. We're like, well, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this happen. And so we take an apple and you know what? We're like, I can make fruit appear. Here we are. And here we go. I will make this happen. And we've got fruits. Look at the beautiful fruits. We can't make it happen. How ridiculous is this? How time, sometimes we overcomplicate things. We try to make things appear that we know we have no ability to make appear. That we can't make work. And we're trying so hard to overcomplicate our lives. And we're, sometimes we're just so disconnected from what actually gives life. Like this thing is, it looks good right now. It looks okay. But in about a couple weeks, it's going to be pretty wilted. It's going to be pretty weak. And you know what? This apple, it's not going to be able to live much longer. So, especially when I keep dropping. Um, Jesus is simply asking us, he's simply asking this, for us to abide in him, for us to rest in him. And he's like, I'll make fruit that's everlasting. I'll make fruit that you can never produce, that you can try to produce, but you know what? It's not going to sustain. It's going to fall. You can't produce multiple. This can be us. And this is the question we ask a lot of times as Christians. We ask this question, like, are you bearing fruit? In our Christian circles, we talk about this. Are you bearing fruit? And this is a viable question to ask, but this isn't our primary responsibility. This isn't the thing that we are primarily responsibly to do. I can remember my youth pastor reading this passage and him saying, like, as a follower of Jesus, it isn't our primary responsibility to bear fruit. And I was like, what do you mean it's not our primary responsibility to bear fruit? It's like, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do good things for Jesus. I want to do this and that and have an impact for the glory of the kingdom. I want to do things. I want to bear fruit. We're having technical difficulties. My mic is flying off here. But I remember him teaching this, and I'm being like, what is he talking about? He's like, our primary job, according to the scripture, is simply this, just to abide in him, just to rest in him, just to draw close to him, because we have no spiritual life in ourselves. But as we abide in Jesus, the Holy Spirit then begins to flow through us, and he then begins to produce fruit through us, not us. He just simply says, come, connect to me, be connected to me, and fruit will be produced. Abide in the Greek where is meno. I think it's going to pop up here. M-E-N-O. It means literally to make your home in. So what a great picture of abiding. Can you picture yourself wrapped up in your snuggly? You could probably picture yourself wrapped up in your snuggly this morning. And it was cold. A lot of you were questioning, should I come? Should I not come? My blanket's calling. My coffee's coming. And you're like, you're in your snuggly, you're at Jesus' house, you got your feet up on his table, and Jesus is like, he asks you like, hey, how long do you think you're going to stay here? And you're like, I'm thinking forever. And so you're like, I'm ready to stay. This is what it's talking about, to make your home in, to take, to come, to live with Jesus, to make yourself comfortable, to kick your feet up, to be abiding with him, to live with him. 
to plant yourself into Jesus and his life will flow through you. I'm the vine, he says. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that uh, bears much fruit. So in other words, you abide in me, will bear fruit. Fruit will be bore. And Jesus came to be the vine. We could not be the vine. We keep saying this. We cannot be the vine. We tried. Israel's problem was that it is still our problem now. It was Israel's problem. They couldn't be the vine. It's still our problem now. We cannot be the vine. We cannot be it. We cannot follow God and obey God on our own. We need Jesus to come to be the vine. We need to be connected to him. We need to be this branch. The New Testament, believing rightly precedes behaving rightly. So faith becomes the new word for us, having faith in Jesus. In the Old Testament, they're trying to behave rightly. They're trying to do all these things. They're trying to make them be righteous. They are trying to fulfill all these laws, and they just can't do it. Jesus is like, I'm going to do what you couldn't do. Believe, remain in me, rest in me, draw close to me, make your home with me. You don't have to worry about bearing fruit if you're abiding. If you're abiding in Jesus, the fruit will come naturally. The problem is when we're not abiding, because it says in this scripture, you can't do anything. Now, nothing seems like a bit much, because we can do things. We can make things happen. A lot of people who aren't connected to Jesus, they do a lot of things. A lot of things can happen, even religious things. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus frequently talks about lots of people who are connected to him, who do lots of religious things. They go to church, they read their Bible, they participate in ministry, but nothing here means nothing of eternal value, nothing with real life in it, nothing that is producing fruit within you and in the lives of other people. We cannot bear spiritual fruit without him. We can tie it onto a tree. We can tie it onto a branch. We can make it look like a Christmas tree. But the real fruit of this character comes from the vine itself. It comes from being connected to the vine. Now, suppose I walk into Rutland, the campus there, and you know, I sit at the, the piano. I have zero piano skills. I actually, I can't tell you what key is which. I can't sing in key. I'm glad we have masks on. I'm glad I'm sitting in the back and trying my best to sing. But I walk into Rutland, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to give this piano thing a shot. And so I get up there, and I start tickling the ivories. And I feel really good about myself because I'm the only one there. And I think it's amazing what I'm making, the sounds. But somebody walks in. Let's say somebody like Beethoven, he walks in. And this isn't Beethoven the dog. This is Beethoven the pianist. And he's in pain, wondering what is this awful noise that's being made. He's just distraught. This is terrible. Why are you even touching the piano? But he's like, I got this idea. He's like, I actually have this power. Beethoven comes to me. He's like, I have this power. And it's like, I can transmit my ability to another person. All you have to do is look at me intently. All you have to do is focus on me. All you have to do is just put all of your attention onto me. So I try this out. I start looking at Beethoven. Boom, I start playing, and it works. I play like Beethoven. I have this great idea. Next Sunday, you know what? I'm going to make sure all the pianists aren't there at church, and I'm going to play. Beethoven's coming. I'm going to look at Beethoven. I'm going to play. People are going to be in awe of my skills. I'm going to look deeply into Beethoven's eyes. He's going to be amazed. And so I begin to play, and the people are amazed. But then I start looking at the crowd. I'm like, wow, look at everybody. And all of a sudden, the wonderful banging and clanging noises come back, 
and I no longer am not making a beautiful sound. I'm no longer connected to the one who actually gives me the ability to play the piano. This is like our life with Christ. We make this mistake sometimes. We don't, we take our eyes off of him. We stop abiding in him. And so some things that we do feels like a noisy clang. Some things that we do feel like just a banging of our heads on the wall. Some things that we do we find no joy in because we have stopped looking at Jesus. We've stopped abiding in him. We've stopped resting in him. We just simply focus on him, abide in him, make our home with him, lodge with him, tent with him. This is all what abiding means. It means this community with him. So what are the effects of abiding in Jesus? A couple things, and then I want you to think about this question as we talk about this. How do I abide with Jesus? Like, how do I abide with him? What do I do to feel close to him? Then I want to hear what you guys do, how you draw close to Jesus. So the effects of abiding in Jesus, we begin to change. There's something that changes within us when we draw close to Jesus. At the beginning of this chapter, the first three verses actually talks about him as the gardener and how he comes to prune away branches that don't bear fruit or some that even do so that they will be more fruitful. I remember the first time I saw somebody prune something. I remember working for retirement resorts and I was lawn maintenance and one day I went out with the head gardener and he was like, we're going to go out and trim and we're going to prune. And I'm like, okay. I had no idea what pruning meant. The only like affiliation I had with that word was like the dried up plum. That's it. And so I thought immediately we're going to go find a plum tree and we're going to, I guess, harvest it. That's what pruning it means. And so I was excited because I'd never seen a prune tree on the property, or a plum tree on the property. So I was like, I'm excited to find where this is out. We get to the tree that's not a, prune, a plum tree. And so I'm back at square one. I'm not sure what we're doing here again. And so he takes out the pruners, hence pruning, and begins to cut branches off and he, of the bushes, of the plants. And I was absolutely shocked at what was taking place, absolutely behooved by what was happening. I grew up under the impression that we don't do this. My mom told me, don't touch your, our, my plants. Don't cut the branches off my plants. And I was like, what is happening? What's Sean doing? Sean is in the wrong job. He's totally dismantling this tree. I'm not sure he should be a gardener. Like, what is he doing? Maybe he's in the right tree. Maybe he really doesn't like plants and he just wants to destroy them. But I can remember him taking this tree, these bushes, and trimming them down where you just see like the stump and the trunk and everything. I'm like, wow, what just took place? And I can ask him, hey, Sean, what did you do that for? Like, what did that tree ever do to you? What did that bush do to you? And he said these plants will never reach the maturity they can reach without pruning, without taking off the branches that might hinder growth or the apple tree can't produce to its maximum capacity without cutting off away branches that maybe suck energy from the tree. So here he is doing something that actually will bring life to the tree, will actually make it grow stronger, which actually will make it bear much more flowers and grow taller and grow more fruit. And this is what God does to us. He cuts away idols in our lives. He maybe produces those like small branches that are producing fruit so they can produce more fruit. And the reason he does this is so that we can grow in our holiness to him or with him, increasing our dependence on him and ultimately bear much more fruit. 
And all this is rooted in love. All this is rooting with God. He simply loves us. Jesus loves us, and he wants us as we abide to him. He wants to work on us. No one likes to be cut back, but the gracious intention of the gardener is always the same, to prepare you to flourish. He's always preparing us to flourish, preparing us to grow. That's what he wants for us. That's what he wants to see in our lives. Jesus wants to see us flourish, to grow. He says, every branch that is mine that bears fruit is pruned, that it may bear more fruit. And this statement, it's shocking. You're like, it's bearing fruit. We have an apple tree, and they're like, take the apples after next year and just throw them away. I'm like, what do you mean just throw them away? I want, I want to eat them. He's like, when you even start growing, you take them off and you rip them and throw them away. Because he wants us, to, the tree, to get planted more, for it to bear more fruit, to, it to be stronger. And this is a statement of Jesus wanting to see us be better. This is a statement of wanting to see growth and success. We see an apple or two, and we're like, that's great. But Jesus is like, there can be more. There can be more fruit. Let's continue to work. As I thought about this image and remembered Sean pruning, I can remember seeing Sean in the bushes. Literally, he was like in the bushes. If you prune big bushes or trees, you're like, you're in there. You're like climbed up in there. You can't see them. Maybe you see a feet, or you just see the bush just shaking. And I can remember seeing him right in there, totally engaged with pruning the bush. And it got me thinking, is when pruning is happening, God's hand is very, very, very close to us. Think about that image of somebody pruning. They're right in there. Sometimes when we think those hard things are happening in our life, God's working on us, we feel like he's so far away, but he's actually right in there with us, working really hard. It may feel painful, but it actually never harms us. When pruning is done well, it feels like he's left little more than the vine. Like I can remember just like I said, you see grape vines, you just see the vine that's left. Very little of the branches. And this is true when we are pruned. There is less of us and more of Jesus. When he's pruning, there's less of us happening. There's more of him being seen. We see more of the vine. We see more of Jesus. So what happens when we abide in Jesus? A couple things happen. One is we have fellowship with him. And this is what we long for. This is what we desire. This is what we want. We want to have fellowship with Jesus. We long to be close to him. We long to abide with him. We long to be the one connected to him. And when we're connected to him, we have relationship. We are in his home. When we're abiding with him, we are in the house with him, being close to him. We won't wither. It says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you are connected, you feel full of life. When you are not connected, you feel dry, fragile, vulnerable. This branch feels vulnerable. It's all on its own. I can easily break it and take it, step on it. It's on the ground. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. We are sustained by his word, both his, both his written word and those words that he speaks to us. When we are connected, we're reading, the word of life flows through us, he speaks to us, we hear his voice. And the writers of the Bible are unanimous in saying, for us to be emotionally bold and strong and to not wither, we need to be dynamically connected to the one who can sustain us. 
And Jesus gives us the opportunity to be connected. Because he doesn't want us to be robots. He doesn't want us to be like, I, you know what, I just have to because this is what I'm supposed to do. He wants us to recognize what he's done for us. He wants us to remember the gospel. He wants us to come close and abide with him. Nothing in this saying is doing. If you read it, he's just saying, come to me. We don't have to do anything. Just come to me. Remain, abide, just stay here with me. Just stay next to me. Just stay close to me. Because he's looking for this organic change, not this mechanical change. An organic change within us is like a tree growing. A mechanical change is like a pile of rocks. We've seen this pile of rocks be moved into this massive mountain of rocks. Organic growth through the gospel is a change that's from the inside out as a result of the new life that is now flowing in you through Christ. So, the question we've been pondering, or that you've thought, we've been think, I've been thinking about, how do I abide with him? How do I draw close to him? One of the things I do to abide with him is walks. Going on walks. Not just to get away from my kids, but just to actually to be quiet and still in my soul, in my spirit to look at nature, to see him within the nature, to, to walk and recognize that, you know what, I'm with Jesus. He's still with me. Taking that moment to recognize that he's right there with me. What are ways, other ways that we can abide with Christ? Other ways that you draw close to Christ? I love to hear, what, how do you abide with him? This is the moment where we can talk out loud. Yes, this is a <laughs> where you can say, something. how do I abide with Jesus? We love, I love to hear how you draw close, how you stay with him, as you, you make home with him. Praying. Praying is an amazing way that we have been given to abide with Jesus, something that we can do at any moment of the day, something that doesn't, you can be driving, you can be walking, you can be, in the bath, you can be on, in the bathroom, you could be just at the kitchen table, you can be anywhere. We can pray, recognizing that He is there with us and abiding with Him. Something that pray without ceasing, it's just that constant space of recognizing Jesus and praying. What are the ways that we abide with Him, that we make home with Him? Quiet meditation, yeah. Meditation, and we hear the word, and we're like, oh, but that's a very biblical word, and where we just are still. Sometimes like, oh, if I'm still, what's going to come in? Well, if you accept Jesus, and you know Jesus, Jesus lives within you, and so you're inviting Jesus to be more present. And so that quiet space of just being still, something we don't practice very often, something that the pandemic has actually made people like anxious about, the stillness. We had this perfect opportunity the last six months, seven months to be still, actually to abide with Jesus. Memorizing scripture, memorizing scripture is a huge one. We are called to memorize scripture because when we work through life, we'll work through what we've memorized. We've worked through what we've put into our hearts, into our minds. There are people, when they, they simply pray, it just comes out as scripture because that's what they've memorized. That's what they've taken in. And when you go through a situation in life, you just think of 
wow, that's what I've read in the scripture, and it just comes back to you. Memorizing scripture, memorizing um, stories within the Bible, having them be really relevant to your life. Anymore. These are all great. What about a personal way? It's like we've got prayer, we've got memorizing scripture, we've got um, meditation. What do you personally do? Maybe there's an act that you do that helps you feel close to Jesus, that helps you feel like you're abiding with him. I'm not sure if there's any sewers in the house, but whoop, whoop, that's me. No, just kidding. It's not me. I can't sew anything. Music? Perfect. Music is a massive way. And music is this, there's this actually this battle that happens with music. We know where the devil and where he stood and has his role within worship within the heavenly realms. And so it's a battle in the music world or the worship world in that way. And so worship is a huge way that we abide within him, memorizing those words, speaking those words over our days, over our lives. Reading, studying. We've been given the word, and this is our tool of, this is how we actually begin to know him, Jesus. When people talk about, oh, Jesus isn't speaking to me, I, I don't hear him. It's like, it feels dry. I'm like, well, we can open up our Bibles, and we can find, you know, the Gospels, and his words are in the red letters, and they're very relevant to our lives today. And so whenever we feel dry, whenever we feel distance, we have this, this word right here. This is what guides. I, when I feel like, oh, I'm just dried and I don't feel like I, I'm close to him, I just open my Bible. I just begin to read the Gospels, what he's done, what he has been doing. And then I continue on throughout the New Testament and to study it. And it brings this life to us. And it, it helps you even to like draw to this. It's like, oh, wow. When in the Old Testament it talked about Israel being the vine, and here Jesus comes and he says, I'm the vine, and that brings life to you. Actually, it's like, oh, wow. Jesus knows what he's doing. He's the vine. The Israel couldn't do it. He can do it, though. Anything else? These are all great. I love the interaction. I appreciate the interaction. I just want to close with this, and Warren's going to come, and he's going to play us one more song. When we abide in him, and this is huge, we have victory over temptation. We have been given the power to have victory over sin, to have victory over temptation in our lives. Scripture says this, Romans six fourteen: For sin shall not be your master, because now you are under a new law, under grace. You being under grace, us being under grace, we have been given God's spirit right within us by which we can put death to those misleadings of our flesh. And so when we're abiding in Jesus, when we're doing these practices that we've just talked about, we actually have victory over sin and temptation within our lives. And so when we feel the oppression come, we just need to draw closer to Jesus. When we feel those temptations come, we just draw closer to him. We abide within him because scripture says there's victory for you over the temptation because Christ has been victorious over it. When we abide in Christ, that power of the flesh, it subsides. And there's more scripture like this. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful desire. Being connected to Jesus, beautiful fruit flows from our lives. And it's just simply because we're connected to the vine. 
some simple practices that we can do to be connected and see things materialize within our lives. Sometimes we're like, I'm not seeing fruit, and so we try to make fruit happen. We try to make it happen. We push, and we're like, oh, I can make this happen, and we try to get as many people to come alongside and to produce fruit, but Israel has told us, and our lives have told us that we can't be the vine. We need to be connected to the vine through a daily experiential walk with Christ, through these things that we've said, these ways that we abide. Let's pray, and then...